Hey folks, Sarah Box here. Just a quick heads up on today's podcast. You're going to love our guest. She's got grit. She has a great work ethic and she learned a lot from working on a farm and starting a business at 14 to support her dad's business. Hop on over, listen in. You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles, and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm a change agent, former executive director, and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. And I think you're going to hear a lot more about that today when I introduce you to and you get to learn from our guest, Jocelyn Harwood. Now, Jocelyn is the owner of Harwood Media. She is a coach, consultant, and public speaker. I will also tell you that she has a great laugh, and she has been doing this work since she was very young. Actually, Jocelyn started off by teaching herself Adobe Photoshop and how to write code when she was just 14 years old. And she was doing that to get a website running for her family's manufacturing business. Three years later, well, actually a few years later, at the age of 20, she married the love of her life and they started an e-commerce website together. It was three years after that, unfortunately, that they sunk the company. Now, Jocelyn became bankrupt at the age of 24, but as a great turnaround story, by the time she was 28, she'd become a millionaire experiencing massive success and a wife, mother of two, and business owner. Then at the age of 29, she became a public speaker and was speaking every six weeks. So you get the picture here. This is a gal who just keeps going, keeps learning, and making things happen. But Jocelyn's ultimate career goal is to create a community of entrepreneur families like her own in an effort to create space, of, uh, create a space of support, empowerment, and an open exchange of knowledge. And in that, she aims to establish safety, transparency, authenticity, organization, and inspire others to their own voice. And that's what this podcast is all about. So in this episode, you're going to hear how Jocelyn overcame those trials and obstacles that lead her, led her to become the success she is today. She's also going to talk about how she helps others in similar positions break through the barriers she faced and how business issues tend to boil down to a handful of human issues. We'll reveal why choosing yourself is vital, changing your mind is your right, and what happens 
when her clients see the results of changing or discarding systems and why their real success begins. And what we all like is how to do that in an accelerated way. So now let's welcome our guest, Jocelyn Harwood. Hi, Jocelyn. All right. Uh, whoa, that was quite the end. Hearing somebody else read my intro is like, oh, that was. That Who was is that girl? Whoa. <laughs> She's been busy. Whoa. <laughs> well, it, it, I had fun writing it and reading it because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be fun. And it really is great to have you on the show. But before we get into your backstory, which I know I want to know more about, I do have a question for you. Is there something that you do every day, something you consider non-negotiable that really keeps you heading toward your goals and your big vision? I do. I do a book. I do a bookend thing. So every morning, every morning it's shower, coffee, right? It's if, if I don't do either of those things, the, the coffee thing is like, it's more like a, that's like a thing I want to look, I get look forward to getting up. It's like, okay, oh, I don't want to get up. Oh, but I get to have coffee. All right, I'll get up. Right. So that has to happen in the morning that, that, first self-care thing before I walk out into the living room with, you know, the kids and the phone going off and the doorbell ring, you know, all that stuff. And then at night, I have to make sure that I shut off mentally. I have to give myself time to come down or I'll stay up till like two or 3 a.m. And then I'm a mess for the next two days because I'm all sleep deprived and ornery and stuff like that. So I have to bookend my day in whatever, you know, not everybody's going to do that those things necessarily, but that's how, that's how I get through it. So what's your shutdown ritual then? What, how, I mean, I can see your morning cause I, I relate to the coffee, get up <laughs> entered before you get distracted or pulled into other people's things. But um, what's your shutdown? Oh, you know what? It's so funny. I listened to sci-fi on audible because it's not, it has nothing to do with anything. I can't fall asleep to self-help. Because then I'm all like, oh, and this and that and that, right? And it's turning my brain back on. And I can't listen to anything that I like, that I attach to, to like from my own day. So it's got to be something that's just so turn my brain off. So it's usually like a sci-fi or like, you know, Harry Potter or it's just something that has nothing to do with regular day. And then sometimes like this happened last night, I, I'll still feel a little, I'll be listening, but I'll still feel a little bit kind of wound up and so I'll pull my phone out and I'll color I'll do those coloring book things and then I, I kid you not 10-15 minutes of that then I'm like oh I'm freaking so tired and I just like energetically let myself turn off basically and then I can go to sleep it took me forever to figure that out though oh my gosh I wish I'd known that in my early 20s but it's so interesting being an audible, you know, like a person who listens to things. There's something about that sh where you're actually having to be in your imagination as you're hearing things yeah. that it just makes something rich. And yet, like you said, you don't have to get into the whole like, oh, now what? Here's my task list from that audible. I was yeah. like, okay, yeah. take notes. But mm -hmm. the whole Harry Potter sci fi thing, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. People are like, sci-fi really and I'm like you should see my audible list my library is 
excellent <laughs> if you're in the sci-fi. <laughs> well, and I had this guy reach out to me. He wanted to know more about it. And one of his, it was an interesting question. He goes, what are you reading now? And I'm thinking, okay, if you're sincere and wanting to know what I'm reading now, I open my Audible and I pick the top six books I'm reading because they're all things I'm reading right now, right? Yeah. I, I go back and forth and I open my Kindle. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay. So I put that in there. I said, okay, well, here's what my brain looks at daily. You know, right. <laughs> and right. he said, I've added those to my Goodreads list. Yeah. I'm thinking, have at it. <laughs> but it's funny. It's nice to look at that and go, well, it's, but they're like you. They're not all about business. Some are, but I don't listen to those at night because it gets you, it gets you in that headspace. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'll listen to that like in the car on the way to work, right? Mm -hmm. Or to a meeting or something headed in where I want to be on. Like, like the one that I'm listening to right now that's turning me on is that I'm listening to Dare to Lead again. And gosh, I just love the way she talks. I just, her, and I, I love feisty. Like I get such a kick out of feisty and the way she talks, she's just kind of got that like grit and it's like, oh my gosh, I love listening to you on the way in. But then also I feel like it turns my brain on yeah. too. And I come in like going, all right, hammer down. We're going to do it. Like. I'm powerful today. <laughs> There's something to be said for getting your brain in that wavelength, though. Mm -hmm. You know, and when if folks don't know about Dare to Lead, we're talking about Brene Brown. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I know I've got her books on Audible, too. I've done major yard work listening to Brene. I've done... <laughs> Clean the house. <laughs> well, you can. I can spend hours. But you're right. It does. It puts you in a great headspace. So let's get back to the purpose of the <laughs> And I, I told you before we started, I hope that you would laugh because I love the energy of your laugh. So, <laughs> so let's, would you just start by sharing a little bit of the arc of your life? Because you sounds like you started out as being a very entrepreneurial spirited young mm -hmm. woman, mm -hmm. teaching yourself code and, you know, to build a website. And Yeah. Yeah. I come from... So my dad, growing up, my dad was this, you know, entrepreneur, inventor, kind of a, kind of always like the dreamer, next big thing, kind of a, of a space, headspace all the time. And then my mom was the, um, so how are we going to do it? And when are we going to do it? And how much is it going to, you know, and she was, she was kind of the anchor to his dreamer. And then, um, and they come from vastly different backgrounds too. My mom's from LA and my dad's from Cody, Wyoming. So there was always in my house growing up, this kind of like, this kind of like balancing act going on, you know? And, and that was like, I grew up like my Saturdays, right? You go down to the manufacturing facility and I was sweeping floors and I was taking out trashes and I was holding this thing while they clamped the stuff together. And, you know, like my dad, he's a farm kid, right? He, he put us to work. And so I didn't even know anything different, nor could I appreciate what he was giving me, you know, like, especially when I was a teenager and stuff until I became an adult. And then it was like, oh my gosh, a bunch of my friends, my roommates, they don't know how to work. Like they have, they have no concept of work ethic. And then I'm going, oh, I am so glad that my dad made me work on the farm in the summers and at the office on Saturdays and all of that stuff. Cause man, did he give me a gift? I didn't even realize, you know, and then my mom, my mom was the same way. 
if we're at home, I have two siblings. When we're at home and we're bugging each other, she's like, okay, outside, go pull weeds, you dishes, you know? And it was like, oh, okay. And now, oh, God bless. I've got a boy and a girl. And right now with the social distancing and everything, oh, it is so nice to be like, okay, you're getting on each other's nerves. You upstairs, go put that stuff away. You downstairs, go clean up everything you just got done doing, you know? And it's like, oh, I kind of, I like this kind of parenting, (laughs) getting stuff done. (laughs) So that was how I started was work, right? You work. That's what you do. And it started my dad. So my dad, he basically handed me computer and internet and went here, get the family business, which was plastics manufacturing. And it was sheet plastic. So it's not like not melted plastic injection molding. It was like cutting and gluing and you know, pastry cases and display cases, stuff like that. And he basically said, here's computer and here's internet and figure out how to get the business up on the internet. And I was, you know, I'm 14. I'm like, really? Like, really? Okay. And so then I just sat down and I just started, and I don't even, was Google around back then? I don't remember Googling things at that age. I think, I don't think, I mean, I, it's really that powerful being able to use Google at that depth wasn't. Yeah, the internet was there and stuff, but really it's only, it hasn't been as long as we think it is. Yeah. That we've been able to say, ask Google, ask Facebook, look it up on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was none of that around. No way. So a lot of it also was just trial and error. What does this do? What does that do? And I'm sure it also just kept me out of my parents' hair too, right? While I was also getting stuff up. But then I remember getting it together, showing my dad and he was like, shot a little bit shocked and he was like wow looks really good job you know like and then he had a couple of friends that he was like hey you need what if you need your step up like here's here's what she did so at 14 you know 14 15 16 I had this like little like I'll get your business online and it was like my first client and brand and everything (laughs) it's like whoa and then I got into high school and got into my own stuff and quit doing it and I'm sure he probably hired an actual professional or something at that point, but <laughs> that was that was the beginning. And it's funny how that has turned into the business I own now. It's online. We do online retail, and so it's funny how often I go back to skill sets I picked up even then, like Photoshop. I can still pick up Photoshop and throw some product image together for my marketing team to test it. And it's it's like really we're big enough that we should just probably hire someone to do our Photoshop stuff. But occasionally I'm like, oh, I'll, it's midnight. I'll slap it together and we can test it all night, you know, whatever. So it's been, it's weird to look back now though, being in my thirties, being able to see the pattern happen through this long, you know? Yeah. It's been wild. That's what's fun about looking backwards because yeah. you, you don't see the patterns when they're kind of coming together because mm-hmm. that's, life right we're just doing our thing and then you look back and go isn't that interesting like okay okay and a new appreciation for my parents because now their patterns are becoming my patterns right and it's like oh hmm okay got it interesting (laughs) so one one of the things you um or that I shared with our listeners about you was that then you built up this great business and then it just kind of tanked on you you know you went that whole roller coaster thing yeah so what was that what happened there man I had no business being in business at that time (laughs) 
<laughs> basically I was I was what 20 I was 20 at the time and I was dating my now husband really seriously and we started a business together and we, we still had day jobs but then we did this thing on the weekends and and it was online retail right we sold um, performance car parts and then and that was doing fine. And then we were like, oh, we're doing so good at this. We should go to installing these parts that we sell on people's cars. Okay. We had no business switch once switching our business model. Duh. And then going to brick and mortar. Right now I'm running a store and I have staff. And it was completely, we should have stayed in our lane, really. But we didn't know any better, different, you know. So then we went to brick and mortar and we made it a year maybe, maybe two years. And it was not, it did not go well. And we sunk it. It like, yeah, one summer it was like, wow, there's no money and there's no money incoming. There's no money in the account. There's no money anywhere. And it was like, okay, I guess we close the doors now. Right. And we had done all sorts of coping mechanisms, avoiding and spending money we didn't have because of stress and just all sorts of just avoidance tactics going on too, because it was starting to get stressful and we shut down. And that was the, those were the blackest, darkest days I think I have ever, ever been through or close to, because it was a public failure. I had to lay off employees, which of course were friends because I'm a brand new business owner who hired my friends and family to work for me. And in the depression and we, we coped. So I'm newly married, just sunk company and we're business partners. Like talk about a, just a trifecta. And we coped in different ways. We dealt with the stress in different ways. He went into severe depression and I went into like do it mode and to do list mode and warrior mode. Right. And so then I was doing everything and I was this stress case of doing all the things and he was checked out. And it would, did not, between the two of us, it did not go well. And there just came a day where it was like, I'm done. I'm done. So let's just call it. And I'm going to go do my thing and you can do your thing. And that, at, that was kind of like the, the like slap in the face that was like, whoa, are we really talking about this? And then from there, it was like, all right, next steps, next steps, next steps. And we got, got a job, got a nine to five. I did some freelance work in photoshopping and getting businesses online, of course. And then we started our company now, which is Harvard Media. And actually what we did is I would create decals, so stickers. So you'll hear, if you look us up on the internet, you'll hear us say, yeah, we sold stickers. What we did is I would create in Photoshop and all those things, I would create decals. So like those stick figure families, remember how those were big on the back of minivans and stuff like that. And I would create those and then he would list them on the internet and sell them. Right. And we found this, this niche of selling stickers. And the first month we sold so many stickers, it paid the bills. And it was like, wait, what? We're selling stickers and it's paying the bills. That makes no sense. And at that time we were on eBay. So we didn't have to drive our own traffic or any of that stuff. You know, the platform was doing it for us. And we went from stickers on eBay to stickers on Amazon. And this is when Amazon started to become an actual powerhouse and not just books and CDs and went into FBA. And then we learned in there the power of audience first. And it was like, okay, so if I have a lady who's buying five, I love my 
dog stickers. I wonder if I could sell her also like maybe dog collars. Or I wonder if I could sell her, you know, a hat that's like, that says the same thing as the sticker or, and then it was, we started to learn, oh, if you can tap into the person and what drives them, what they're passionate about, then we can sell more product to them. So then we started to morph from stickers into small parcel items that were also in that niche into larger items and into larger items. And so now the company now does really large. We've got some like freight size shipping and stuff like that. So that really became a linchpin of the whole model was audience first and not product first. Lots of companies are product first. So, and now I'm completely off in the weeds on, on product and marketing, but. I think that's a great place to be Jocelyn, because when you think about it, when you started listening to your audience, like what matters to them and serving them in that way, it worked better for everybody, right? They're getting what they want, you yeah. know? And if I, I love your example of, you know, like the dog decal or dog stickers. Cause I'm, I'm one of those people who go, well, you got one of my dog. <laughs> but, but it really is, it's like, well, what else? And if I already trust you because you gave me something once that was good, I'm thinking two equal things like a dog collar. Let's just make that up. I'll give you first crack at it because you've already served me well. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that whole thing of really thinking about, okay, what does in this case, what does Sarah, what matters to her? Let's see what else might matter to her or her friends or people like her. So I think that's right on the money when, no pun intended, when we're thinking about our work or working with other people, it's really that other first mm-hmm. perspective. Is that what you guys kind of learned about getting your business in its niche and then really thinking about that? Yeah. Yeah. That was really, I mean, that was really the progression that has happened. We had an interesting seg. Well, I had an interesting segue when the company was about, so when Harvard media was about, let's see, three, maybe three years or four years, we had hired employees and we were on, we had like three Amazon stores, which, you know, technically you're not allowed to have three Amazon stores because they don't like one seller having multiple stores, but we had different brand lines, basically each for each niche. And I ended up taking a position with an import-export company. So we did international product, essentially. And it started out as me just helping out a friend with some project management stuff. And then they were like, hey, we want to, we, if, if you can leave your other company, which I could, I could, re, I could hire my replacement at the time. We want you to come on as a partner. And it was like, heck yeah, international business. Are you kidding me? So then I moved into this other company while also we ran Harvard Media and my husband took over for a good chunk of time on running it because they didn't really need my services at at the moment. It was, we were kind of, they didn't really need me as a designer, but then also we weren't big enough to need a lot of operational organizational help yet. It was still too small. And so I started out at this import-export company and that is such an interesting, it's so fascinating how other things will happen to get you to the place you're su- I'm supposed to be, right? So then by the time I sold my shares in the import-export company, now I had this vast knowledge of how to get product internationally, how to import product, right? And I just took everything I learned at that business, brought it back to Harvard Media and was like, okay, let's go big now. We can do product. I've got the skill set. 
let's get stuff international. And that really, let's do inventory management. I had a warehouse, all these things. And that really started to ramp things back up, but I had to go somewhere else to get the knowledge, which is a really weird, it's a weird time frame segue when I, when people are like, wait, wait, wait. So Harvard Media was started here, but then you were at the import company here, but Harvard Media, you know, and it's like, yeah, I took a hiatus to go get info. I didn't know I was doing it and then brought it back. So, yeah, but that's that ongoing learning thing, right? So Mm -hmm. how do you, if you, all you know is what you're doing now, if you're going to grow or, and you don't know at the time, right? But it must've, it obviously seemed like the right thing to be doing and a great opportunity. And you didn't put your business at risk. It was running well. Yeah. So, um, and that's a great, I mean, that took some courage on your part to do that. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, that pressure cooker of being spouses and being business partners, that's, there's a lot of fine lines and a lot of communication that comes with being in that type of pressure situation because business never leaves ever. We, we literally went on a date on a date we drove around in the car because of social distancing um two weekends ago and we spent the whole time i ended up pulling my laptop out and pulling up a spreadsheet while we were driving around in the car (laughs) to solve business issues (laughs) on our date but we wouldn't i wouldn't have it any other way though i love that about our relationship love it but people are always like you did what for your date. It's like, well, yeah, it's what we like to do. I don't know. What do you talk about? (laughs) But I want to come back to something. Um, You talked about kind of the duality or not even the duality, but what it's like to live with someone who is your business partner. But that also brings up that piece of the concept that Back in the day, in the olden days, right? When you go to work, that's where you work, your home and your home, right? But that doesn't sound like the place you come from or even a belief you subscribe to. So can you talk about that, Jocelyn, and how, just talk about that. Yeah, yeah, I I do not, I, I don't subscribe to the idea that you have a you have a work life and a home life. You have life. And in it, there's a home and there's a work and there's a family and there's a marriage and there's a kid and there's a, you know, all these things, there's friendship. And how I show up at work is how I show up at home. Like we are not that creative to be these separate people all the time, right? So how I handle work stress is how I handle kid stress. And so to just let go of this concept that I have to be different things in different scenarios it frees up a ton of bandwidth for starters because I'm not constantly changing personas. But then also it gives me the opportunity to learn about how I do business, even when I'm at home and vice versa, right? So it opens up, it basically opens up my pathways to be able to learn things, even when I'm not at work or being a mother, stuff like that. So I, the concept of balance there, no. There's no such thing as balance. There's depth and that's about it. I don't think that balance is real. I don't I don't know a single entrepreneur that thinks balance is real either. <laughs> now that I think about it. Wondering how to adapt to the rapid fire changes we are all experiencing? Curious about where you should start to position your nonprofit for future success? 
Want to know how I can help you and your team prioritize and address hard questions? Then book your free discovery call with me at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. I'll help you get clear so you can lead others. Now back to the show. You've said something before that I thought was very interesting, not on this interview, but in what you've written, is that in your opinion and your experience, business issues tend to tend to boil down to a handful of human issues. Oh, yeah. um, let's talk about that a little more. And if there are some basic human issues you see like bubble up over and over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let me see if I have an example I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, so there's nothing like having something going wrong at the house to mess up stuff going on at the office, right? It's the it's the broken window at the home that is energetically pulling me and stressing me out in a in a conference call, right? And it's because the way I handle stress, it carries between the two of them. So now the human issue here is my coping mechanism for stress, which for me is either run at it harder with to-do lists and organization, right? Or to get like, like uh, I get trigger happy. I get kind of militant and ornery and stuff. And so now the, the issue isn't the conference call or the broken window at the house, right? It's actually how I deal with stress. Now, there's two sides to that though, because how I deal with stress is I organize things. I get marching orders out to everybody. I mean, it's made me a lot of money that that's how I deal with stress. And the flip side of that is that I'll leave body bags sometimes when I do that. I will burn employees out. I will, I'll burn my kids out. We haven't even left the house. And they're like, oh, I don't even want to get in the car now because I've been so on their case about getting out of the house, right? And now I've burned out, I've taken the humanity out of it and harnessing that, the duality and the power in those, it sometimes it's time to just let go. And sometimes it's time to go harder, but never, ever at the cost of the humans around me, you know, especially not my, especially not my little humans, because I can't just go back and explain it to them, right? They don't that they're not old enough. I've got a first grader and a preschooler. So it doesn't make sense. <laughs> not yet. You can't say um, do over. Yeah. So when you say, you know, that you get a chance to um, assess that and maybe let it go, or how do you do that? Is there a process you use? Is mm-hmm. there a mindset you use? But how do, how do you do that? I love feedback. I love it. The power of the question always, especially in communicating, it's like the one hack is asking questions. And I know when I am not listening to feedback and when I am not being open to information because things are not working and I'll lend my day and I'll be like, wow, none of that worked. Or I'll go to have a conversation with my business partner spouse and it'll go really bad. It's like, dang it, that didn't work either. And so when I'm in that moment of like, wow, nothing is working, then it's like, hmm, okay. So how did I set it up in a way that it's not working? Because I can't control the other pieces, but I can control my response to the things. And that's where my power is. So is that what you mean when you refer to like 
identifying and discarding systems that don't work for you. Can you, is that right? Yeah. So there's a lot of talk about the right way to do something, the wrong way to do something, the five things that entrepreneurs do wrong. And it's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like as if we could all vote right and wrong for everybody. That doesn't make doesn't even make any sense in business. But we can vote based on working and not working, right? I sit down in a meeting with an employee and by the end of it, I know whether or not that meeting worked or didn't work or my approach worked or didn't work or the questions I asked worked or didn't work. So that's when, when we get out of the right, wrong thing, which is usually just belief systems we picked up from our parents, from our friends, from the media, whatever. They usually aren't catered to us, but when we let go of that and it's just about, did that work or did not that work? Now it's not even about if you were right or if you were wrong, right? And when we can start letting go of systems that repeatedly don't work for us, beliefs that repeatedly don't work for us, then that's when we actually can tap into real power, our actual power, and not what everybody told us our power was, not what everybody told me what my power was. So what is that um, actual or real power? Yeah. So I grew up thinking that I must perform to be worthy. I must perform to be loved, right? And that was the belief system I was working on. Well, it didn't work because I was doing everything all the time, hitting burnout every day. And I still wasn't happy. When I figured out that what actually works for me is being transparent, being just authentic, Um, I like safety. Safety is a big deal to me. When my employees feel safe with me, they do better. When my kids feel safe with me, they act better, right? And so when I let go of the need to be perfect or be, be anything other than I wanted to be, that's when I actually had the bandwidth to be the things I wanted to be, like safe and authentic. Nice. It makes me think about that, you know, that really that's one of the, our basic human needs is to feel safe, mm-hmm. right? And oh, that's such a high bar to set is to like do enough. How much is enough to be worthy? But the behind that for me is like, what if I just let the brakes off and just went, hey, you know, or even in work, you know, what if I just said, I'm doing less? Yes. You know? Oh, yes. And, you know, like, because that can trigger a lot of things like, well, if I do less, then later I might be at a deficit, you know, whatever. You can run down that whole worry trail. Mm-hmm. instead. Of, and then I thought, well, let's just try it. Let's do less for a day yeah. and see what happens. And then at the end of the day, my husband goes, you look like you had a really good day. And I, he said, did you do a lot? And I said, I accomplished a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did less. But I accomplished a lot. But, <laughs> but for me, that was the feedback. I'm going, I feel like I had a great day. But it was taken, it was like you're saying, it's that whole, let's just get real. And you you said before, like how you do anything is how you do everything. And so that I thought that was a really great example about the broken window and taking that to work and how that can just bleed into other areas. Yeah. Yeah. And I've learned that, and it's funny because it's exactly flipped for my husband. So my part, my business partner, husband, right? Is if my house, if my actual home is not in order, I can't focus at the office. But for him, it's opposite. If his office, if his business home isn't in order, he can't focus at home, right? And it's like, there's, because there's no, you're the same person, 
going to both places and to try and like dismember ourselves to be these other things like and nobody wants that anyways they don't they're no one's inspired by the guy that's only business but his personal life is a hot mess right like that's no people are like that's fine that you make millions of dollars but like your kids hate you and you've been divorced three times like that's awesome but I don't really want to be that not you know not not when I'm hitting the age where I actually want my people around me and work isn't the thing anymore so it's like what you said like what's the actual definition of success what is your definition of success mine is having a life I don't feel like I need to escape from like going on vacation is fun because of the adventure, but I love coming home from vacation. I love it. I'm like, yes, we get to go back to work. I wonder how that, I wonder what's going on with this and that. And we get to go back to the house. I wonder how my, you know, XYZ project is at the house. And so having that, it is, man, I knew I had made it for me when I was coming home from Mexico and I was like, I'm really looking forward to going home. And that was fun. Like I wasn't in two places. I was present in Mexico, but I'm really excited. I get to go home now. And that, that was like, what? Nobody feels that way coming home from vacation, not from Mexico to Utah, you know, but I, I like, I, if I do the same thing I do now every day, that's awesome to me. That sounds like I made it. Yeah. And it sounds like you've really come away, uh, come the way you wanted to right? intentionally to build that life with your husband and your kids and having the values that you have present every day. So, you know, you talked about being a speaker and speaking all the time. Are you doing that? I, yeah, I, man, when I was doing it every six weeks, that was a lot. I, that I was hitting burnout a lot again. And I had a moment where I was like, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired. I'm trying to run a business and raise a couple of kids and do that speaking thing also turns I mean you I'm sure you know turns into a business itself too and so I pulled back from that a little bit and was like whoa so now I'll do the occasional like I've got a three-day seminar workshop thing in May um, that's like the second half of one that I started well before COVID basically and then they were supposed to come back and then we had to reschedule these poor people they've been waiting for the other half of this map I started with them for life for like what are six weeks it'll be like two months by the time they get the other half of it Uh, so uh, occasionally fun stuff stuff that really fires me up but not so not as much as I was that was a lot it was a lot but but the reason I asked that is because I think people look at that and think oh that'll be great right and then but there's a piece there's trade-offs for that like you said you get tired you're going all the time it does become a separate business you know and so but I think that ability Jocelyn to come back and say that's great let me take the piece that works for me and Mm -hmm. keep that and release the rest of it Yeah. yeah 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 I that is knowing that that is my tendency that that's my pattern to say to just say I can do that and I can do this and I can do this the day I figured out that I was probably only going to get maybe half of what was on my day's list done was a real wake-up call it was like no wonder I'm so stressed out all the time I'm never getting 
my entire list done. And so now when I make a list, it's like, okay, here's the top priority. Here's the first half of it. And if I get to do the other things, that's a bonus. But really, I'm probably only going to get this done. And then also, it made me be less of a liar to the people around me, you know, saying I would do this and I would do that. And then I'm dropping the ball because I signed up for too much. Man, story of my life, biting off a, a lot. <laughs> well, there's that the adage, right, that we think we can do more in like the shorter period of time than we actually can. And we underestimate what we what we can do in the long run, right? It's like yeah. we have them flipped. I did the same thing starting this year. It's like my list, like here's my goals for the week and they tie to this. And um, because of what I've been listening to and reading, I thought, okay, you can have three for the week. And then you have to break those down no more than three for the day. And then after I've done that for like the first quarter, I'm thinking, get real, sister. You need one big thing to focus on a day. And the other stuff gets in there anyway. And then you're going, all right, this is realistic. And you have a life. Yes. And you feel good. So (laughs) I think I'm I'm on the same train you're on. with you so if you ever feel yourself going that way just come through to the other car and we'll have a chat about it and go hey let's get real but I do think I think comes back to what you're saying is how you do anything is how you do everything Mm. you know and so holding yourself to that getting real doing what's realistic and holding yourself in esteem so that you choose yourself and your family really is important and I'm watching more people do that and feel great about it versus feeling like they're somehow not living up to something. I think that's becoming the level like I'm living up to who I'm supposed to be, who I want to be. And I think that's beautiful. What do you think, um, as we're winding this up, what do you see going forward with the people you're coaching and the people you're working with and yourself for how we'll come out of this, whatever it is, however long it lasts, what do you think the future of our work will look like? Do you see any trends or anything that you expect to stick? Yeah. So I'm expecting remote work to be given a lot more weight than it was previously. And that's kind of, everybody's kind of saying that. It's like, I think companies are going to figure out that they don't have to pay for the overhead that they were paying for, and but still be able to get a lot of that done. I'm really interested to see what happens in the gig economy because it was very, to me, it was very aspirational and it was all like, everybody have a side hustle and, you know, all these work from home, work from anywhere. And, and it's like, I'm interested to see if that either, either it becomes more of a thing and people are like, Oh my gosh, obviously I have no idea how much time I have left. And so they do go do the travel and work thing. Or do they go, whoa, that I got hit so hard being in the gig economy. I took the very first blow. I won't, that's not sustainable. And if it'll switch. So that at the gig economy, I'm very interested to watch. I haven't been surprised much in what has happened in e-commerce. Like, like not, not really at all. I have loved, oh my gosh, my favorite part of the whole thing has been my friends who have discovered Instacart grocery delivery, I have been preaching automating your home forever. I'm like, get your home set up on system. Cause, cause here comes like my nerd right in my operational COO role. 
and I've been telling the women in my life, like automate your home. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah. But I feel weird about this. I feel weird about that. And now they have had to have groceries delivered and they're writing me going, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I'm like, I know <laughs> for saying that. <laughs> it's the little things right now. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, that, but I think that's true. And I remember the first person, this was like three or four years ago, and I was taking on two new huge projects, right? Plus mm-hmm. another big family project. And I'm talking to this gal and I said, I am so maxed out. And she goes, what can I help you with? Right. So I give her this tangible list of things that I want to offload, like yeah. things that I don't have to do. And the last thing I throw in, because I'm calling her the day before I'm facilitating and she's three <laughs> hours different than I am. So it's like she we're talking at her dinner time. And I said, I don't need to solve this. I just need to download it. And um, I said, oh, and this is the other thing. Like, I'm so stressed about not even having time to have healthy meals. She goes, great. Let's talk Monday. Right. So she goes, now, I think all that list is really important. We're going to start with the healthy meals ones. And I'm going, no, really, I need this. She goes, no, no. And she goes, so here are your options, right? <laughs> so I said, okay, but I had, we have these diet. She goes, I know what your dietary restrictions are in your house, right? She goes, these are your options. I'm a shot, right? I've already got your discounts on them. And my life changed. I'm thinking, okay, am I going to do that forever? No, but do you want to know my stress level dropped? But it was it was that whole like you with your friends, right? Just get it systemized because her brain is like that, right? Put it mm-hmm. in a system. I'm thinking, but that's my house. And she goes, get it in a system. Yep. yep. And I went, that's like a huge thing for me too when I'm talking to, well, when I'm talking to women, but I get a lot of entrepreneurs' wives, right? So he's the business owner, starter, startup guy. And then she's on the other side and she's going, so how long does the broke part of startup last? <laughs> I'm like going, girlfriend, you, you need to buckle up because the entrepreneur roller coaster is real. And don't discount yourself. I am hearing this less than talk in your voice right now. And like, let's be clear, you are CEO at home. Like you have clients, you have marketing, you have supply chain, you, you've got all the same things at your house that he has at the business, right? So you need to treat your house the same way, right? Get those systems in place and also check in with your staff, check in, get all these things, right? Set up agreements, you deserve contracts. And they're going, oh, I never looked at it that way. And I'm like, girlfriend, and it'll be really good for your marriage if you start showing up as CEO of the house. He he will respond to that. She's like, okay. I have no idea what all the words you just used are, but okay, I get the CEO. But I'll learn with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, I have two requests of you, Jocelyn. Will you uh, tell folks how to find out where to reach you? And because I know there's going to be some people going, I got to get more of Jocelyn. I need her energy. I need her systems. I need help. And then I want you to share um, a parting word of wisdom. Okay. Well, you can find me. I've got a website. It's just jocelynharvard.com. So if you want to read like the full bio, see the media releases, stuff like that, that's a good place. I'm the most active though and interactive on Instagram. And um, my username is bossy jossy. Cause that's, I mean, we're clear why. And 
then uh man parting parting words let's see i love so cheryl sandberg is like one of my idols i loved her before she was the cheryl of today and she says something along the lines of done is better than perfect and for me it's always the just start just start somewhere and get it done and then if you don't like it you can change it but but done is better than perfect and that one always that comes up for me all the time because we already talked about my perfectionism issues <laughs> so i would um, say that i would say just start just start i'm right in your camp with you and i'm i love your instagram name <laughs> yeah my dad would use that with me when i was being a little much as the child who was very powerful I was very bossy. <laughs> so bossy, bossy. Yeah, that was my nickname. <laughs> Thank you so much for gifting us with your time and just your open heart. That's just, it's been so great to spend time with you, Jocelyn. This has been so fun. This has been so fun. Well, that's what it's all about, my friend. <laughs> You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.